0: This Tuesday, December 5th, NBA in season quarterfinals betting picks edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Claim your risk free bet up to $500 over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com Bet Rivers. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com Bet Rivers. And we're also brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app today to make the perfect holiday gift. Download the GameTime app and use promo code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase today. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, December the 5th, currently 1134 on the East Coast. Here to recap what we saw last night in the first set of quarterfinals for each conference and of course dig into the two games tonight in the quarterfinals for the NBA in-season tournament and joining me here to help me break it all down. You guys know him as the voice of the tennis gambling podcast, the MLB gambling podcast, NFL, WNBA, and of course here on the NBA pod. It's Scott, Sue, Rochelle. Scott, what's going on, my man? How you doing?
1: And nothing much. Looking forward to some more quarterfinal games for the NBA Cup, which I'm a fan of calling. I don't know why it's called the NBA Cup, but every single graphic says in-season tournament. I don't really, <laughs> yeah. I don't really get it. But I like the NBA Cup more than the in-season tournament as a name.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I keep on mixing up, um, like the play-in tournament. Uh, and in- it's a force of habit, you know. Yeah. So uh, hopefully they change that. Uh, next season along with a couple more changes that we may see in the uh, tournament for the up uh, or least guess for the future. But Scott, last night, uh, pretty good uh, games of basketball. We can say definitely the first game between the Pacers and the Celtics. I know um, we'll talk about both here, but uh, Pacers get the victory over the Boston Celtics. The final score of 122 to 112. I mean, this game... Was a tied game with about less than two minutes left, and then Tyrese Halliburton hits a, it's uh, a four a four point play, and then Indiana got the stops when they needed to. I know a lot of the season we've talked about how they're not a very good defensive team, but when it mattered the most, the Pacers got the job done. And I think uh, we'll talk about the Buddy Hield shot there at the end here in a, in, a, in a minute or so. But what did you kind of what was your takeaways from this game at least?
1: I uh, just looked at the same Boston team that we've seen for the last couple of years in big games. And I know that that's going to sound a bit harsh because they did make it to the NBA Finals a couple of years ago. They were in Game 7, almost made it out of a 3-0 series deficit, got buried by Miami in Game 7. But still, it's the same team. Like, I don't think yeah. Missoula is a good enough coach to win a championship. And the reason why I was hesitant on Boston, at least to win the whole thing, I acknowledge how good the talent is on the roster. But at some point, talent doesn't matter if you're going to constantly get outcoached in these big games. And Missoula made no adjustments the entire game. It felt like Boston was getting three runs to the rim all game long, and they kept chucking up threes. Now, I get that it's a three-point driven league, and I understand that, you know, you're a good three-point shooting team in general, so you don't want to lose track of your overall identity. But at some point, you got to make some adjustments. Like, they're not covering the rim. You purposefully have Horford in the game to drag Turner away from the paint to open up chances to go to the rim, and you're jacking up threes every possession, and you shot like 23 24% from three. It just felt like Missoula was watching his team do the same thing over and over again, and for the most part, it didn't work. So the issue that I have with Boston, my main takeaway, is still coaching. I don't think Missoula's good. I don't think that he's going to win a championship. And if this is any indication of a big game playoff atmosphere, which is what it was in Indiana, yeah. if we're calling it what it is, Missoula came up short again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people are going to say, well, you know, they still had some big moments in years past. They were able to come back from three, nothing down. That means something a reminder. They choked away game. I think it was five or it was game six. And then Derek white had the miracle put back. Anyway, they should have lost that at six if we're yeah. being honest, but I just feel like looking at this overall, take the overall matchup itself, Missoula looked clueless again for most of the game, and I've seen it too many times.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you go also inside the box, like you mentioned, the three-point shooting, right, like, sorry, last night, it wasn't there for Boston, right? 12 of 41 from three-point land, 29.3%. Um And I had the Al Horford prop last night. That wasn't even close last night. Um, I mean, he did get the rebounds and the assists, but I thought he would have a little bit more, um, I guess, uh, output on the offensive side of the basketball. That's a separate point for
1: Boston is that Horford is well past his prime and Porzingis is injured, and Porzingis is really good for this team. But when you get Porzingis and you're going to pay him, you know the risk, and he's already hurt. So, yes, you can argue, well, Boston at full strength, different team, I'm not relying on poor things to stay healthy for the entire postseason. This current roster is the same team basically as last year. Drew yeah. Holiday was the big addition. He mm-hmm. vanishes all the time in playoff games. We've seen it his entire career. I know mm-hmm. he had the one title run, which he honestly wasn't even that good in for the finals. We had a couple of big moments in that series against Phoenix. But it's just the same team that seems to shrink in big moments. And then I don't trust the coach. But anyway, to get back to your point with Horford.
0: No, I was just saying that he he just wasn't like a complete no show last night, even though he did play 31 minutes. Um, Sam Hauser off the bench, shot five of seven from three point land. The rest of the team went seven of 34 from beyond the arc. So, um, I mean, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown did their thing. They both had 30 plus points. But after that, I mean, dad, Derek White chipped in with 18. But Indiana was just a better team last night. On a more positive note, Tyrese Halliburton wouldn't matter the most. Notched his first career, tri- uh, first career triple double last night uh, in 40 minutes, 26 points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists uh, for Halley last night. And then buddy healed um, the team total for the Indiana Pacers yesterday was around 119, 119 and a half, depending on the number that you did get um, 4.7 seconds left. Nothing left to be determined. A seven point game healed. Steals the ball uh, on the inbounds. We got
1: to rewind it, by the way. They fouled, even though the game was basically already over.
0: Yeah. I, I think the there's Indiana the made chance. the free throws
1: and then Indiana they threw the ball right to the other team.
0: Yeah. So Indiana missed a couple free throws there. There's a Jason Tatum turnover that if they would have scored or maybe hit a three, it would have gotten a little closer, but. Buddy Hill gets the ball. He dribbles to like the left side of the three-point line. He's acting like he's gonna shoot. He actually does get it up, and he actually hits the shot. Um, and that got the Pacers team told to go over the one nineteen and a half last night. So if you were on either side of that, uh, I think a lot of people were more on the Pacers team told to go over last night. You may want to add a uh, Buddy Hill to your Christmas list. Um, you know, uh, for for the uh, upcoming uh, holiday season here, but uh. I know we talked about the negatives of Boston last time, but what did you see from the Pacers last time from a a positive standpoint here, uh, Scott?
1: Yeah, Halliburton's the truth. I mean, there's not really much more to add. I know, once again, he has not made a playoff game yet, so Mm -hmm. we have to see. A lot of people have issues calling guys superstars if they don't actually have any playoff resume. I disagree with that. I I just think that, once again, it is a team sport, and Halliburton looks just poised to carry this team to a potential playoff spot. They still don't guard anybody but I am encouraged by their effort defensively in that game with the playoff-level atmosphere. I thought maybe they would be overwhelmed by the moment, and in the first half they were, and then they woke up and scored 74 points in the second half. Yes, some of it was garbage time, or I should say free throw assisted, the Buddy Hill three-pointer at the end, but they outplayed one of the best teams on paper in the Eastern Conference for basically the entire second half, so that's definitely a good sign, but I do think what helps the Pacers is the versatility – and their willingness to run. Halliburton's great. I don't have to spend much more time on that. I like Buddy Healed a lot as a player. I think that Bruce Brown gives them some defensive just juice. He had three steals last night. Yeah. Bobby Coppin has been good as well. Good mm-hmm. score. Not sure if he does much else besides scoring, but sometimes it's all you need, and he gives them a nice boost. Good guard play off the bench with Matherin. Nemhard didn't play much last night, but I like McConnell. I always have. And Neesmith yeah. was very good against his former mm-hmm. team at 14 points. I think what I like about Indiana is the fact that they want to play one style and every player that they have on the roster thrives in that style. They don't have any, you know, round pegs in a square hole type options. It seems like everybody that they have is a plug and play option for this system and it's all up to handle. Now, of course, if they run into a physical team and they struggle when it comes to pushing the pace, they might have issues. But the yeah. fact that they were able to impose their will and peace on the Celtics as this game went on, and the fact that it felt like it was coming in waves because Matherin and Nismith were both solid, gave 30 points combined off the bench. I think I just like the overall depth with how this team plays and how every player for that team can play in the system. And it's a lot to handle.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, we've talked about this all season long that the Pacers are going to, force you to play at their style of basketball, which is, you know, the foot on the gas. It's, you know, speed. It's fast. And, you know, even in moments last night, like down the stretch in the fourth quarter, they did slow it down a little bit, but even to pull away at the end, like they got back to their brand of basketball of pushing the pace last night. So they get the job done on their home floor, one twenty two, one twelve. They cover the spread. The day the game did go under the total, um, and um they are now headed to Vegas to wait the a winner of the um sorry the New York Knicks and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Scott, before we get over to the Western Conference uh, semifinal from last night, uh, let me tell everyone about where you can get down a lot of these bets, and that's going to be over at our sponsor here, Bet Rivers. We're brought to you by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers is available in over fourteen states plus Ontario, Canada. Bet Rivers has some of the best live betting markets in the space. Their betting menu is second to none, including a ton of props. Depositing and withdrawing is super easy on BetRivers. Sign up using our link to get a risk-free bet up to $500. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BetRivers. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BetRivers. Problem gambling? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Scott. Last night, the second uh, game of the uh, semifinals, which was the first of uh, the Western Conference between the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Sacramento Kings. And this was a fun game to watch as well. I mean, first quarter, it seemed like the, the Sacramento Kings were pulling away, but then Britain, that final, about a minute, 30, even that final minute, uh new orleans came rushing back or came scoring back at least to make it a one-point game there was a a point in the first quarter where i think sacramento was about like 13 or 14 points they came out firing out of the gate um hit several three-pointers in that first quarter i think you know i think keegan murray started three of three malik monk came off the bench he had a couple for them as well but I think we got to give credit to New Orleans Pelicans uh, for not only fighting back in that first quarter, but they carried that over into the second quarter, took a lead into the uh, halftime, and then pretty much it was 500 basketball at that point. They won the second quarter, or sorry, the second half by two points to get the 127 117 victory last night, which was led by Brandon Ingram down the stretch. He was absolutely incredible. He finished the game with 30 points last night. Herb Jones. 23 points. Uh, Valanchunas finished up with a double-double as well, and all five starters uh, finished in double figures. Zion, pretty much a non-factor last night, but Seemed like they really didn't need them after the performance that they got from both Herb Jones and BI last night. But I talked about this yesterday with uh, Terrell is that I think we have to handicap this New Orleans Pelicans team a lot different now because they're finally healthy, right? They got Herb Jones back. They got Trey Murphy back. They have Jose Alvarado back. So this team now, I think defensively is going to not only be approved, but also be better on the offensive side of the basketball for the Kings last night. Scott DeMonte Sabonis, triple double 26 points, 13 assists. Uh, sorry, 13 rebounds and 10 assists. De'Aaron Fox did his thing. Not the, the most efficient shooting night for him. He was only 10 of 25 from the floor, 1-up 7 from three-point land. But after that, it, there was, it was pretty much, you know, not a lot of contributions. I know, like I mentioned, Malik Monk had 21 points. But other than that, nobody else stepped up for this team. But I saw you tweet out that De'Aaron Fox didn't look like De'Aaron Fox, you know, that we're used to seeing. But what, what was your takeaways from this game?
1: Well, I'm not going to fully roast Fox because a lot of his teammates didn't show up, but Fox was brutal for the majority of the game, and it was a great example of why you should not just blindly box score watch. You're going to look at the stats and go, "Oh, Fox had 30." He was really bad for a large portion of that game, especially in the first quarter. And I think he had like six—what he had five turnovers, like two minutes into the second quarter. He was yeah. brutal that entire first quarter, but the point is it didn't matter early on because the Kings were still up by a lot. Sabonis was great last night; he gave great yeah. energy defensively. He's still not very good—that's expected. We know what Sabonis is defensively, but he definitely came to play. Uh, Keegan Murray was fine early. A lot of touch fouls that kind of took him out of rhythm, especially guarding Ingram. Not as fault as Ingram went pretty went, went pretty nuts last night, and nobody could stop him. But Murray got into foul trouble. I'm not a Trey Lyles guy. I thought he was pretty abysmal last night. He also got into a shouting match, and there was a bit of a, I don't want to say a headbutt, but there was a technical foul called on him arguing with some of the other players on the other team, and I'm like, all right, like, calm down a little bit. Monk (laughs) is great. Monk's one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, I just think that he's a tremendous role player. He's going to win six-man of the year, in my opinion. But um, once again, the main issue that I have with the Kings, and I mentioned it in the playoffs last year, I don't believe they can win serious games and serious series with Harrison Barnes and, and Kevin Herter in the starting lineup, I just think that they're limited with, in terms of their upside. Now, Herter, people are going to defend because he is a three-point shooter. He gives you spacing. He comes around screens, kind of like a Duncan Robinson role, where you have to always keep an eye on him. Yeah. Except when he's not hitting three-point shots, I don't know what he does for this team. He's a I don't think he really does much. Defensively, he's okay, I guess. I don't think he's a great defensive player, but he's fine. He rebounds okay for a guard. I don't know what Harrison Barnes does for this team. And Barnes, I have a bigger issue with than Herder. I'm not a Herder guy, but still, we saw that he couldn't play in that Warrior series last year. Herder was brutal for the entire series. But I don't know what Barnes does for this team. I mean, you're looking at Barnes in his career, and he's been known to be a pretty good three point shooter who can occasionally take you off the dribble. You play 34 minutes last night and you take three shots. You go one for three from the floor in 34 minutes. I don't know what you do on this team. And I was very critical of him in the playoffs and during the offseason because the Kings brought him back, and I thought that was the main position they need to improve on. But the main issue I have with the Kings, I think that Harrison Barnes and Herter are not good enough to play 34-plus minutes in big games against good teams. I just think that they're liabilities, in my opinion. Now, Herter's not as big of a liability as Barnes is, Am I too harsh on Barnes? Because Barnes, I watched in North Carolina. I was a fan of his. We saw him at Golden State, no-show a bunch of games, including Game yes. 7 against the Cavs, he no-showed. We saw him with the Kings last year against the Warriors, brick that three-pointer to win the game, no-show the couple games after that. We've seen Barnes constantly turn invisible in big games, and I had the same issue in the past with Andrew Wiggins. Extremely athletic, small forwards, but Wiggins had his moment. He was the second-best player in an NBA Finals series, and you could argue that he was a serious candidate for Finals MVP. Wiggins had a moment where he was engaged for an entire series, and he was a big piece of why Golden State won the championship. Have you seen a single moment like that from Harrison Barnes his entire
0: career? He hasn't gotten to that point either, and I think that what I was going to mention is that... The, but what, comp- what point
1: are you referring to?
0: The, the Harrison Barnes hasn't got to the point in his career ever where he's gotten to like even a, has he gone to a conference finals? He's with the Warriors. Oh. Yeah, but oh yeah, you he want championships with them, right? He but
1: the with the Warriors, but at no point have I looked at him and said, right. "Oh, this guy made some big plays down the stretch to win some games." Like I just don't yeah. think Barnes is that guy. I know people call out Eaton for being a little yeah. bit aloof mentally and he's not fully mm-hmm. engaged. I feel the same way about Harrison Barnes. At some point I understand the argument of veteran leadership. But it comes at a cost. You're paying this guy to play 30-something minutes a game, and I don't trust him to do anything on the court.
0: I think for Harrison Barnes, that Golden State was hoping Harrison Barnes would be what Andrew Wiggins is for them when they won the championship, if that makes sense, right? Like that role of being a defensive guy, you know, providing some type of offense when you need it, uh, if your stars aren't having a great night and, and having some moments, but Harrison Barnes just hasn't lived up to that. You know, that I guess expectation we can say for him, but I think for this, this Kings team, I like you mentioned, Sabonis had a great game last night. We know Fox, okay, it was a one off game, but historically, and I mentioned this yesterday with Terrell that he hasn't been very good against the Pelicans. I think that the Pelicans match up very well with De'Aaron Fox. Um, and if you kind of go through, I don't know, you know, box score watching is a little you know, subjective, I guess we can say, but. It's a it's a it's a bad matchup for him against the Pelicans. What I'm trying to say, but I think for this this Kings team is that they're hoping that Keegan Murray takes that next step to be that third guy alongside Sabonis and and Fox. Herder, I don't have a problem with. I mean, he's a streaky shooter. I think even the broadcast that's, that's kind of my issue. I have an yeah. issue
1: relying heavily on consistent. streaky shooters who don't really yeah. give you much besides shooting.
0: Yeah, and then their bench is pretty much non-existent right now. It's it's besides Monk. Monk, yeah, and, and pretty much it. So I know, again, bigger questions right now for the Sacramento Kings. But again, we got to tip our hats to the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, they get the job done. Uh, they win as a three and a half, three point uh, underdog, and they are also headed to Vegas, waiting the winner of the game tonight between the Lakers I, I, yeah. and the Suns. What else you got? I just
1: want to point out once again, I think Herder is less of a liability than Harrison Barnes. I'm just sure. not a big fan of streaky three point shooters in your starting lineup who don't create anything off the dribble.
0: Like yeah, if Herder's is
1: running around screens and you're you're not going to give him the ball, then what's the point? Yeah. So that's kind of how I look at Herder. But to go through Barnes' stat line last night, I said before he played 34 points. He took three shots. He had four yeah. points. He had four rebounds, one assist. And Even he if you're not going to score. <laughs> four rebounds and one assist. 34 minutes. What are you? Are you're just doing cardio out there. <laughs> like I I, I I don't know if you agree or maybe I'm being or you think I'm being harsh on Barnes, but at some point there are some guys that are just wired a certain way and Barnes is wired a certain way that I don't like in I big think f- games.
0: Yeah, I think for Barnes, it's the fact that we know De'Aaron Fox is gonna get up his shots. We know Sabonis is gonna get his shots as well, and you're gonna get those. You're 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 putting Keegan Murray and Kevin er- Herter ahead of Harrison Barnes would knock down three-point shots for you. So I think at, for the I think the counter-argument for Har- Barnes would be is that there's only one basketball for the Sacramento Kings team, and maybe he's not going to have the opportunity to get those shots up or even get to the basket because you have De'Aaron Fox. And maybe that's a rotational thing that maybe Mike Brown needs to figure out that if he wants more of Harrison Barnes, then you don't put him in a situation where Sabonis is not on the floor or Fox is not on the floor. Because even Malik Monk got up 14 shots last night coming off of the mention. So we know he's a chucker as well, but he he knocks it down he's as so, well. He's
1: so damn good, though. <laughs> I yeah, love and Monk he can so get much. to the
0: basket as well. Like Harrison Barnes can't do that. So I think it may just come to a point where Harrison Barnes might be that odd man out and you put a defensive guy into that starting lineup where you're OK with, you know, the shot distribution between Sabonis, Fox, and then, you know, Murray and Herter getting up three-point shots because Murray and Herter last night combined for 15 three-point shots last night. And again, I guess Harrison Barnes was that guy that wasn't beneficial of you know, getting any shots up last night. So
1: once, ag- once again, I don't have issues with guys that are not going to consistently put up points. My issue is if you're not going to put up points and you don't do anything else that's that productive outside of scoring. Because Barnes, rebounding-wise, played 34 minutes at four rebounds, And the second-leading rebounder on the team, by the way, was Fox and Herter. You got Mm -hmm. out-rebounded by both guards on your your starting lineup. And then, once again, he had one assist. So there's no ball movement. He doesn't rebound that well. He doesn't go to the basket. Defensively, he's fine, I guess. I don't think Barnes is a great defensive player. I, I mean... It seemed like Ingram got whatever he wanted last night and Murray got that matchup. So I don't know who Barnes actually guarding on this team. I just don't know what his purpose is on this team.
0: Simply put he has he had stealing a block last night in, in the in the box score. You know, give him a little yeah, Sabonis bit. Bonus had a
1: chase down block too. That doesn't really mean much, you know?
0: <laughs> All right, Scott. Uh, before we get into the games here for uh tonight, let me tell everyone where they can play along. Some of their favorite fantasy players, and that's going to be over at Underdog Fantasy. Uh, look, two more quarterfinal games here tonight, and Underdog has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL still going on. We have NBA tonight. NHL is in full swing. College basketball is in full swing, and we're here for bowl season uh, in college football. So simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. Stay tuned at the end of the episode. uh, Scott and I will put together our Underdog Fantasy entry for the two semifinal games here tonight uh, in the NBA. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And when you sign up with promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy using promo code SGPN. And we're also brought to you by Game Time. Hey, look, it's bowl season for college uh, football, NBA, like I mentioned. If you want to get out to Vegas or if you just want to catch a regular season game, uh, let Game Time help you out. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't have to be stressful. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets. Uh, stop stressing over the tickets. Start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. Their app is so fun to use and easy to use, is, is the best part of it. They have great flash deals and last minute tickets always available. Easy to find and buy tickets for every type of event in your area. So it doesn't just have to be sports. If you want to get out to a concert, a comedy show, theater, and much more that's near you, you can do that on the game time app. The game time guarantee also means you'll get the best price. Get this. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Tom will credit you 110% of the difference. And also, you can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you're all set to go. Tickets are sent directly to your phone. So you never have to dig through your email or wait for them in the mailbox. Game time tickets make the perfect holiday gift. So download the game time app, create an account, and use promo code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code CFBX for $20 off $20 off. Download Game Time today. That's when a ticket's lowest price guaranteed. All right, Scott, let's get into the two games here for tonight. The first is going to be the Easter Conference, the second quarterfinal game between the New York Knicks. They are in Milwaukee tonight to take on the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks currently sitting as a five-point favorite currently over on Bet Rivers. Total of 229 in this game. Uh, let me pull up the injury report here for both of these teams. For the New York Knicks, uh, pretty clean injury report. Uh, everybody is a go. Um, only Evan Fournier is questionable, but he doesn't really do much for this team. Anyways, for the Milwaukee Bucks, Pat Connington is going to be out. And also Jay Crowder is going to be out. Um, Connington's dealing with a right ankle sprain and Jay Crowder had the left abductor surgery. So both of those guys are going to be out tonight, uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, these two teams did match up this season in Milwaukee, where the Bucks did with get the victory, uh, 110 one Oh five. Uh, the Bucs, I believe, were a six to five and a half point favorite, depending on where you got the number. The Knicks did cover that game by five points. Uh, tonight, like I mentioned, they're up to five right now are the Milwaukee Bucks? Your Scott, what are your thoughts on this game?
1: I think it's it's really tricky for me because Milwaukee is 9-1 and one at home, but I still watch this team play, and I still don't like them defensively. Of course, offensively, this team's great because you still have Lillard, you still have Giannis. Middleton has been a bit iffy, but the point is he's still a good third option in general. Beasley's been good. Portis, I like. Brooke Lopez has been great this year. Shout out to Brooke Lopez. But the Knicks are a team that's not going to go away. They're not going to back down from anybody. You can argue in a playoff atmosphere, it's both good and bad that Thibodeau's their head coach because they're going to bring an in intensity defensively, but Thibodeau doesn't win many playoff series. So you can make an argument it's going to come back to bite him. but this line feels right to me, just simply put. I see this game hovering around five most of the way through. The thing is that I have to wonder is if the Knicks can get enough offense uh, to actually keep this game close. Brunson had 45, and they still didn't cover in the first meeting this season in the actual group stage of the in-season tournament. Now, Barrett didn't play in that game. I'm not a big Barrett guy, but at least he's a shot creator for that team. Mm-hmm. So I guess the question that I have for this matchup is Milwaukee should be able to get theirs offensively because Giannis is still going to be able to get his. I know that the Knicks have Mitchell Robinson and they still have a good front court defense, but still you got Lord, you got Giannis, you're going to score points no matter what. Do you think A, the Bucks defense shows up for this game at all? Or B, do you think the Knicks' defense is good Knicks' offense is good enough to exploit a bad Milwaukee defense?
0: So I will mention this, that I know to start the season that the Milwaukee Bucks were one of the worst defensive teams uh, in the NBA, right? So um, let me, so on the season, their season average now has improved to up to 21, but sorry, they're up to number 13 overall uh, over their last five games. And again, a a lot of that may just have to do with you know who their opponents have been, and maybe they haven't been very good offensively. But I think the one consistent team defensively has been the New York Knicks, because over the last five games um, they are top five, and then on the season they're still the number three uh, best defensive rated team. So I think you mentioned that I think that the Milwaukee Bucks can put up points, but I I, I feel like historically we've seen these two teams trend. Toward lower scoring games and going back to let's say the 2020 season, uh, the under is seven and four between these two teams. The Bucs have covered uh six, they're six, four, and one against the spread against the Knicks uh since the 2020 season, eight and three straight up. So I want to take the Knicks here, but I just feel like that there may come to a point in the fourth quarter where the offense of the Milwaukee Bucks is able to pull away. Something similar to what we saw with the Pacers last night because I feel like, still outside of Jalen Brunson for the New York Knicks, I don't know who's going to step up offensively for this team. Like Julius Randle, you know, he's better lately, but
1: overall not efficient.
0: Yeah. And I think the only one guy that I do trust is Jalen Brunson. You also mentioned I'm not an RJ Barrett guy as well. You mentioned it gives you another shot creator. Um, But I'm leaning here with the Knicks. I I think this line is pretty much spot on, though, yeah. but I, I lean here with the Knicks, man.
1: I think the one thing I want to point out, though, is that the first meeting in the group stage did away in 215 total in that game was 223 and a half. Both teams, though, shot horribly. Uh, the Knicks shot 39.6% from the floor. The Bucks shot 42.7% from the floor. The Knicks shot 25.6% from three. Milwaukee shot 51.6% from three. So if you're expecting it to average out, that does favor the Knicks because the Knicks ended up shooting about 3% worse and about 26% worse from three, and they only lost by five. So that definitely does give the yeah. Knicks... A, a, the main reason why the Knicks kept it so competitive was the rebounds. The Knicks killed them on the glass they have a rebound Mm -hmm. of the bucks 56 to 41 yeah that i think is where the knicks can hang in there i do think robinson randall i like josh hart i'll mention him in a second for props Mm -hmm. they're a really good rebounding team and milwaukee brooke lopez is a player is having a very good year He has never been a great rebounder for a guy's size big reason takes a lot of three point shots more of a finesse big man rim protector big man but his rebounds aren't that great Giannis rebounding is going to be fine. We know what that is. Is a lower a great rebounder for a guard? Not really. Beasley's fine for a shooting guard. Middleton a good rebounder? Not really. He's kind of fine. The Knicks can dominate in second chance points. I think that's yeah. where this game gets interesting. I think I'm going to lean to the Knicks because I'm basically just going to dare the Bucs to shoot 50% from three again. And if you're asking me what I think is more sustainable, the Bucks shooting 50 plus percent from three or the Knicks to out-rebound the Bucs by 15, I'm going to pick option B. I think the Knicks might just crash the glass and dominate the boards. I like the Knicks in this spot. I think that the Bucs defensively are not great. The Knicks, once again, only shot 39.6% in that first game, and Brunson still at 45. There's a lot to like about the Knicks if you're expecting things to balance out more in comparison to the first meeting.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, I think there was three guys that were in double-digit rebounds in that starting lineup in that game earlier this season uh, between these two teams. Randall had 12, Josh Hart had 10, and Mitchell Robinson had 15 in that game as well. They also had 16 offensive rebounds in that game uh, compared to the seven that only the Milwaukee Bucks had. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning here with the Knicks. I do like the under uh, in this game. Uh, this number is creeping up. I think it's going the wrong direction here. It's up to 229. It's
1: a massive number.
0: Yeah, especially for these two teams. Um and and you also look at potentially. Yeah, and you also look at the pace, right? Uh, New York Knicks are a team that doesn't play with a lot of pace. On the season uh, they are the second slowest team. The slowest team is the Chicago Bulls. Now the card our counter argument will be that the the Bucks are a top 5 team in pace. So I think that, again, I think we'll will something see similar to what we saw between the Celtics and the um, Pacers last night, where I think everybody, expect, including myself, was expecting that to be an absolute barn burner. But defense it, it, it turned into a playoff atmosphere in that game uh, for the Indiana Pacers. And I think the second half may slow down a little bit. Um, so I'm leaning with the under 229 in this game. Actually, I like the under. I'm going to be playing the under 229 in this game.
1: I like the under two. I think this total is way too high. Uh, once again, I guess the argument is for the first meeting landing 215 was both teams couldn't shoot. So they're expecting that to improve this time yeah. around. I still have questions about the Knicks' offense besides Brunson. Mm-hmm. Randall, I don't trust with his jump shot. He's an inefficient scorer, but occasionally has a decent game. Barrett, we've talked about. I think he's inefficient as well. I'm not a fan of his. I like Quickly, but he's a bench player. So that doesn't really mean much. But I do think Milwaukee offensively is good. But of course, they want to play with pace. If you're Thibodeau, why the hell would you let Giannis get a a one-man fast break opportunity? The Knicks should be sprinting back on defense the entire game and forcing a rock fight. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be as much of a rock fight as the Celtics Pacers first quarter last night. But if the argument is in a playoff atmosphere, and if you want Milwaukee to play your style, you have to abandon the... I I' say abandon. You have to force Milwaukee to abandon the up tempo style of play they like to play at. You have to get back, try to make this an intense half court battle, and that supports the under. And I think at some point in this game, maybe in the fourth quarter, you're going to see a half court battle break out with the high intensity defense, and that might kill the pace. So for me, I'm on the under in this game as well. 229 with the Knicks is just too high.
0: Yeah. Uh, Looking at their season-long stats here for um, the total. Let me see here for the Knicks. Let's see. So Knicks totals this season. They are, if it wants to load here. Uh, Here we go. Uh, Not much there. 10 and 9 to the under in road games, 5 and 5. So nothing really there for this team. Um, All right, let's get to player props here, Scott. What do you like? So a lot of rebounds
1: for the Knicks. I said before they out-rebounded the Bucks fifty-six to forty-one. I will point out, uh, JR, uh, RJ, sorry, uh, RJ didn't play in that first game. So yeah. Hart was starting. So he did play a bunch of minutes, and it is a little bit inflated. However, I love Hart rebounds in this game at five and a half. You know he's had at least seven rebounds in each of his last six games against Milwaukee. That's seven.
0: Yeah, yeah. We
1: need six. So I think Hart's a player who's automatically priced in to about. 27 minutes a game, sometimes more, maybe based on foul trouble. But Hart is a guy who hustles for every rebound. He's been one of the most underrated rebounding guards for his entire career. And with the Bucks having a lot of size with the starting lineup, with the likes of Giannis and Lopez, in a way it actually benefits the rebounds for Hart's view at the bench unit because he can capitalize on some of the mixed lineups with Portis, maybe Lopez, we'll see what happens there. But Hart in the first meeting, even with him starting, had 10 rebounds. I do think that foul trouble could be an issue for the Knicks, especially with the front court dealing with Giannis the entire game. So maybe you see some interesting lineup combos, more Hart and Stein, a little bit more of Hart. We'll see what happens. But it's the fact that Hart has been so good against the Bucs in in years past. He's such a key piece of this Knicks team and to Thibodeau's identity of being a very hard-nosed, tough, gritty defense. You can tell Thibodeau loves Josh Hart. He might be his favorite player on the entire team besides Brunson. I think yeah. hearts in line for a great game. Randall rebounds, I like too. It was at nine and a half. It was plus money. The only concern is potential foul trouble, dealing with Giannis, and we'll see what happens there. Maybe Mitchell Robinson rebounds, but I really do think the Knicks match up very well on the glass against Milwaukee. And that was kind of the main pivot or the main angle I was looking at. So I don't mind rebounds for Randall plus money. I like Hart a lot at five and a half. I think he might have seven or eight.
0: Yeah, I, I can't ar- argue against that. I, again, like in the first matchup, both um, Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle were had twelve plus rebounds, and Josh Hart had ten in that game, filling in for R. J. Barrett. I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Hart is part of that closing group if this game does come down to the wire. Um, you know, just because, like you mentioned, that he makes the hustle plays, he gets after the loose balls, um, and again, a guy that. Uh, fits the mold of what type of player you want to be uh, with Tom Thibodeau. So yeah, I do like the Josh Hart call. I think I also have to look at Giannis rebounds in this game as well. Um, historically have to rebound for that. Yeah. And especially when we talk about Brooke Lopez, a guy that likes to hover around the three point line. Uh, and then if he is matched up on either during offense, Julius Randle, or if it's on uh, Mitchell Robinson, I think that, you know, he may get played off uh, out of the rebounding. I think, uh, you know, I guess close to the basket I'm trying to say but Giannis over the past couple games uh, against the Knicks head-to-head 15 rebounds 10 rebounds 13 14 13 I know last two games he hasn't done it 10 and 8 but uh, I think there's a there's definitely a possibility for him to uh, uh, again get over 11 and a half rebounds I don't think I can get away from Jalen Brunson in this game I know back-to-back 40 point games but if there's an offensive player that i that I trust on the side of the New York Knicks to be consistent, that is uh Jalen Brunson. And I think for a reason, this number was at around 24 and a half last night. It's all the way up to 26 and a half at minus 145 at some books. So um, I'm looking at uh, Josh. Sorry, uh, Jalen Brunson rebounds. Sorry, points and assists uh, to go over tonight. I think he also can distribute the basketball here as well. That number's at 32 and a half. So I really do like Jalen Brunson in this matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks. Again, we know Dame doesn't play a lick of defense. So I think that Jalen Brunson definitely has a matchup advantage in this game over uh, Damian Lillard. Uh I Brunson like-
1: anyway, as as well yeah. because you mentioned once again how he's done against Milwaukee. Even forgetting that, we still don't trust anybody else to actually generate good looks on this Knicks team besides brunson i think yeah. brunson has to shoot to be honest i know milwaukee can guard him the knicks know that the bucks know that so you can argue maybe they try to double i don't think they're going to i think no. that they'll let brunson get his and then they'll try to deal with everyone else and they'll try to win the game so yep. i think brunson might be in line for 30 35 i'm not sure if he's gonna go for 40 again but mm-hmm. i do think Brunson is gonna have a good game
0: yeah anything else for this game
1: I was thinking if I wanted to make a case for Lillard assists in this game, if I think Giannis has a big game, does Lillard just capitalize and get a bunch of assists on it? I think I'm going to stay away from it. Lillard was pretty good in the first meeting of the season. He had 30, got to the foul line 12 times, only took 15 shots. So he was actually some uh, pretty efficient in that game. Do um, you have any thoughts on Lillard in this game?
0: Uh, I think he's still going to get his... But I think that, again, if it comes, like, who do you think we think that matches up on Dame? Is it going to be Brunson, or do you think they put R.J. Barrett on on, on Lillard?
1: I think it would be Barrett. The argument yeah, so for think- Brunson is if he has to do everything offensively, we got to limit yeah. the energy usage on the defensive end. So, plus, Barrett gives you length. So, yeah. I think Barrett's probably going to guard Lillard. They'll probably throw Brunson on Beasley, maybe, and just tell him yeah. most possessions are going to be chilling in the corner, save your energy. That would be my guess.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Um uh, yeah, uh, what's his winch prop? Twenty-nine and a half.
1: Lowered? Uh, let
0: me check. Yeah. Let me see here. Oh, it's only twenty-five and a half. And it's it's trending low. towards twenty-six and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I, I can get it. Again, it, there's only two scores on this team that minus one fifteen. Yeah. Damon Lillard and, and Giannis. I mean, I don't hate it at that number. At I thought it would be a lot higher than what it is, but um, yeah, I don't hate it. Uh, for Damian Lillard. Um, Scott, anything else for this game?
1: Not really. Uh, my only question for you though, and the reason why Randall rebounds, I do a YouTube play every night. I chose yeah. Hart instead of Randall. Who's guarding Brooke Lopez in the three point one? Because I feel like it makes more sense for the Knicks to let Randall do that and yeah. to just force Mitchell to stay in the paint, right?
0: Yeah, and I think it would probably be Randall. Well, I mean, we know. Brooke Lopez can, I mean, not off the dribble, but he can, you know, like back down like outside of the paint. And we've seen him do that. A and Robinson's times.
1: cheating in the paint anyway, though. So yeah. he's going to get pulled no matter what. I just wonder because yeah. Lopez has been killing teams with the pick and pop game to also yeah. open up space for Giannis. If I'm the Knicks, I tell Randall to guard him and I just hold yeah. Robinson sitting in the paint the entire game.
0: Yeah. Um, Again, I think it's just both guys get into double-digit rebounds here. So do
1: I, but I'm saying I think Robinson could be in line for a massive rebounding game if they force Randall to be the one chasing on the three-point line instead.
0: Yeah. All right, Scott, let's get over to the next game of the night. It's going to be the second game of the quarterfinals in the Western Conference. got the Phoenix Suns. They are in L.A. to take on the Lakers. Lakers currently sitting as a a one-and-a-half-point favorite currently over on Bet Rivers. Uh, total is sitting at 229 and a half in this game. Uh, looking at the injury report for the Phoenix Suns, Eric Gordon is questionable here tonight. And then Damian Lee and both Bradley Beal are out for this game for the Lakers. Uh, Anthony Davis is probable. Rui Achimura is probable. LeBron is always questionable, but he will play more than likely. And then Jared Vanderbilt, uh, he is back. He is actually probable for this game for the LA Lakers and Gabe Vincent continues to be out for the LA Lakers. Uh, these two teams have matched up, I want to say, twice, twice already?
1: This season? It was either two or three. It's it's two.
0: Uh, Yeah, let's see here. Yeah, twice this season, the Suns are 0-2 in both games, uh, but they have been closely contested games. I think the first well, game they were was a, They were
1: leading by a decent amount in both games. Yeah. They fell apart in the second they, half.
0: Yeah. Um, and then the second game, the Lakers also won um, in Phoenix, one twenty-two to one nineteen. Um, I believe Devin Booker did, did not play in that game. Let me see. Yeah, no Devin Booker in that game. Uh, for the Phoenix Suns. But this number is now moving towards two. Actually, it is up to minus two on Bet Rivers right now here in favor of the Lakers. Here, Scott. Let's start with the spread minus two in favor of the Lakers hosting the Phoenix Suns.
1: First of all, I want to congratulate the Lakers. You are no longer the worst first-quarter team in the league. Congratulations. Mm. You are now the third-worst first-quarter team in the league. So they have gotten better. Playing the Pistons helped. I think they were up by, like, 20 after a quarter there. Uh, for this game, I'm going to lead to the Lakers. Simply put, I just think the Suns – I've I've hated the way these, this team has closed games all year long. And the issue they've run into the Lakers is the fact that they open up a decent lead in the first half every time. The third, fourth quarter comes around – they look stagnant offensively, a lot of ISO fadeaway jumpers, and they lose. And I've seen it all year long, and I don't see that changing in the spot. So you can make the argument that, you know, Booker missed a game or two. Durant was by himself in the first game, and, you know, that resulted in a disastrous fourth quarter. But I do think I have to go with the Lakers here. They're just so good at home. Yeah. We, we've seen them dominate at home for years. AD didn't play last night, so we should have a good game. This is not a back-to-back but AD is going to be a match of problem for this team. LeBron's a match of problem for everybody. Yes, I know Booker's great. I know Durant's great. I get it. I think the Lakers supporting cast is better than the Suns supporting cast. Yep. Which I don't think is a hot take. I just think that's the reality of these teams. So I'm going to go with the Lakers here. It's a home team. I've seen them thrive in playoff atmospheres before. I have not seen the same from the Suns this season. I have not liked how they've closed games. It's going to be a close game. And I trust the Lakers to make enough plays down the stretch to win. So give me the Lakers at home.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I like the Lakers here as well. You mentioned it Lakers at home eight and two straight up, four and they are only four and six against the spread. Um
1: they're laying some big numbers against some bad teams though.
0: Yeah. Um, and then uh the under is actually seven and three in Lakers home games thus far this season. I mean, for everything that you mentioned, it came down to me for the depth of this Lakers team, right? Again, if when when and if or when Devin Booker and Kevin Durant off the floor, I think obviously there's a significant fall off, but you know, for the Lakers, you can plug and play. I know moving Austin Reeves to the bench has been beneficial, not only for Austin Reeves, but also for the Lakers, you know, um, second unit. Um, I think Anthony Davis is going to get whatever he wants. LeBron will rise to the occasion here as well. Um, And again, getting Rui Achimura and Jared Vanderbilt back, I think that's huge as far as depth goes for this Lakers team and, you know, for, for the Phoenix Suns, again, if Eric Gordon's not able to go here tonight, I think that's a guy that's been filling in very nicely in the absence of Devin Booker and Bradley Beal when Devin Booker has not been playing. But, um, you know, on the road this season for the Phoenix Suns, they are 7-3 and three straight up. But again, they haven't played the greatest competition on the road. The three losses have come against the Lakers, um, the Raptors, and then it was a 76 or so. I guess we can say... Average to above league uh, above average teams that they've lost to on the road. Um, so I do like Lakers in this spot here. And I think at the beginning of the season or beginning of the tournament, when this started that Lakers said that they were taking this very seriously. And I think that's going to continue here uh, for the, uh, for the LA Lakers. And we talk about, I guess, conspiracy theories and things like that. I mean, the league probably wants the Lakers to be in Vegas again. Again, that's going to attract the people to come watch the game, and it feels like them putting the 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 finals, the semifinals, and the finals in the in Vegas is kind of gauging the interest of NBA fans uh, to see if they actually come out to games, and if a team eventually ends up in Vegas. But that's a separate conversation. But yeah, with you on the Lakers, yeah, on the, the total... league's
1: thrilled that the Pacers made it to Vegas instead of the Celtics.
0: Yeah, that's true too. Um, yeah, but again. Pacers are a fun team to watch as well. I mean, a lot of the casual basketball fans probably don't know that, but, um, you know, for a fun team to watch a league pass team to watch it. I think the Pacers are probably at the top of the list, at least for myself, Scott total. I'm, I'm on the, on the, on the under here as well. Like I mentioned for the Lakers at home, this season games have been trending towards the under. They've been one of the better defensive teams at home, uh, as well, seven and three towards the under. And then, uh, the two matchups this season, like I mentioned, one was 100 to 95, but the other one did fly over the total where defense was optional here. But I'm leaning towards the under. What do you got?
1: I'm going to lean under as well. I, I know that there's a lot of firepower involved, so teams are people are going to blindly like the over. I really expect the playoff atmosphere here. I mean, yeah. we have not exactly seen LeBron against Durant in. Uh, That many matchups since he's joined Phoenix, and I do think that they're going to go at it, but I do think that this game will once again take on a bit of a half-court battle, especially in the second half. You might see a high-scoring game early. We'll see what happens, but I expect a lower-scoring second half. I'm on the under. I just think the stakes are a bit high, and we saw from the atmosphere uh, yesterday in both arenas. Pelicans did take the Kings out of that, but still the point is is that the atmosphere was kind of nuts early on for both of those games. I think that the crypto center is going to be absolutely just full of energy for this game. So I'm on the under, I see a close game competitive game dies in the low two twenties, maybe high two tens.
0: Uh, player props. What are we looking at?
1: Uh, well, there's a lot of choices because people are going to belong like overs for Durant. Cause he's been, you know, very good against LeBron in the past Booker assists is worth a look because he's been a good facilitator. If you do think that Durant's going to have a great game, I think AD points is worth a look. I'm trying to think if I want to take Nurkic under because I think that he might get into some serious foul trouble in this game, yeah. uh, dealing with the Lakers constantly attacking the rim. And we've seen the free throw disparity numbers for the Lakers for the last two, three years. I think Nurkic might be in foul trouble throughout this game, so I wouldn't mind his unders. But I do think if I'm looking for any props, I I kind of just want to go safe and take like LeBron PRA. I can see yeah. LeBron just having a massive stat line game in a – Pretty much a standalone NBA on TV game against Durant and against the Suns. LeBron's done well against the Suns. They can't really guard him. I think LeBron is a big game tonight. You?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, we saw, excuse me, we saw it last night that the stars pretty much shined in both of those games, right? We talked about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum giving over their points props, um, Tyrese Halliburton triple-double. We saw Brandon Ingram rise to the location last night. De'Aaron Fox, despite a bad shooting night, still had 30 points last night for the uh, Sacramento Kings. So I think this is going to be another game where I think in both of these games tonight that the stars are going to shine. And yeah, I, th- I like Kevin Durant tonight. I think his points probably was at 28.5. Um, I think that if the Phoenix Suns do pull this out here tonight, that you probably saw a big game from Kevin Durant having 30-plus points. Uh, here tonight. So I do like uh, Durant. If you want to tag on his uh, rebounds as well, uh, he's been doing a pretty good job of rebounding. And like you mentioned that if Nurt does get into foul trouble guarding Anthony Davis, their next big man is seven, six foot eleven, seven seven feet. Kevin Durant who's going to be able to get those rebounds for you. I know the last five games, he hasn't done a very good job of rebounding, but uh, in the two matchups this season against the Lakers, um, like we mentioned, he had, let's see here. Uh, 39 points and 11 rebounds, and then 38 points and 9 rebounds as well. So points and rebounds here tonight for Kevin Durant is something that I do like in this game. Um, Grayson Allen rebounds is also kind of sneaky uh, in this game as well. Um, I know that he's traditionally your three-point shooter, but if you kind of go through his box score uh, and you look at the uh, for him to rebound I mean he had a game against the Denver Nuggets where he had 10 rebounds in that game that number I think I saw you look two and a half or three and a half for Grayson Allen on his rebounds let me just double check here yeah it's at three and a half at minus 110 I don't hate that against only four rebounds where he's more than capable of doing it is uh, Grayson Allen and again two games the season against the Lakers he had six rebounds and nine rebounds so that was another look I was looking at here Scott
1: yeah, I think that Allen's in line for a good game, especially if Eric Gordon doesn't play. You might get yeah. more minutes. You might see an uptick there. If mm-hmm. Gordon does not play, who do you think plays more, the most minutes out of all the other options that they have?
0: Um, I think Okoge is think an option. He's a good one a lot recently. Yeah, he's been taking on that uh, point guard position. Um, I think it's Okogi Goodwin, and then... Um, Allen is he still plays starter minutes, so I'm not going to throw maybe in that conversation. Maybe he'll still
1: like Monsieur Little or somebody. Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um, is Juan w- not on the injury report, but I mean, he's, he doesn't I mean, he's not like,
1: a guard anyway. So that really... Yeah. So
0: probably, yeah. I think it would probably be a good win.
1: Probably. So yeah. maybe that's a pl- prop if Gordon doesn't play. Yeah.
0: Any other player props?
1: I thought about 80 blocks, but the Suns take so many jump shots that I'm not even sure if he's going to get his blocks in this spot. So yeah. I, I've seen conflicting things, though. Uh, I know that Buddha mentioned in the comment section that they allow contact, so he doesn't mind the Nurk rebounds. They allow contact in most cases, but they called a bunch of fouls in that Kings-Pelicans game last night <laughs> where I just thought that it was relatively soft. So mm-hmm. it might just depend on the overall crew, but yeah. I do expect to see a pretty ugly game since I am going with the under in this spot. Mm-hmm. I just think Nurkic might get played off the floor with some foul trouble. It's one thing if the refs are going to swallow their whistle a little bit more. It's different when LeBron and AD... Get downhill on every possession, and you're praying they don't call fouls. I yeah. think Nurk might get into some foul trouble pretty early in this game.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. I think that, again, I, I just feel like the stars are going to shine. But again, those props are a little bit inflated when we talk about these quote unquote standalone games, uh, especially in yeah. what we do expect to be a uh, playoff atmosphere in uh, both of these games here tonight as well. All right, Le- uh, I'm trying to call you Le- <laughs> Scott. Uh, let's get into... Let's do our lock and dog first, and then we'll uh, do our underdog fantasy entry. You want to lead us off?
1: Sure. Uh, so for the lock, uh, since the heart rebounds moved, I got it at like minus 140 overnight or earlier this morning. I think it's at like minus 150 now, so I'm not going to bother on that. Give me the Lakers as my lock at minus two. I actually know it'll take the money line. I think this game actually will potentially be a one possession game, so I'm going to play mm-hmm. safe and take the money line. I think the Lakers care more, just simply put about yep. this tournament than the Suns do. And I do think that the home court advantage is a pretty big deal for the Lakers. Uh, you're looking at the Lakers winning the first two games against the same team. Yes, I know Booker wasn't there entirely. Booker's also battled some injuries for the last couple of weeks, so I'm not sure if he's even fully healthy, even if he's playing. I don't like the supporting cast for the Suns. Gordon might not play. The Lakers are getting a lot of depth pieces back. I like Hachimura. Vanderbilt's not a good offensive player, but defensively, he can give you some unique looks. And I do think that even if he's not going to be able to stop Durant or stop Booker, he can really help the pick and roll defense with this team and with some contesting on the three point line. So I think that that return is actually a big deal. But give me the Lakers. I like them at home in this spot. And I do think the Suns will be winning at some point in this game. But I don't trust them late in games. And I know the Lakers will always go down swinging at home. On the road, not so much. At home, yes. Give me the Lakers on the money line, trying to find the best price available. It's about minus one fifteen. Give me the Lakers Mm -hmm. money line to minus one fifteen.
0: Yeah, I like it. Uh, I agree with you about the Lakers here. I think this uh, should be a game. Like we talked about, like they they said at the beginning, LeBron said that they're taking the uh, the tournament here seriously, and um, I think just think we talk about the depth, like you mentioned for this Lakers team. Uh, I think they uh, uh, definitely are a lot better than the Phoenix Suns right now, especially if Gordon is injured. That's another uh, piece that you're going to be missing here tonight. So agree with you. Uh, What did you got for your dog
1: for my dog? I was trying to think if I wanted to actually go with the Knicks money line or not, and Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going to get there. I quickly want to just look up what Brunson 30 points is. I might just not reinvent the wheel. I think I'm just going to go with Brunson again. Uh, Do you have a price by any chance for 30 available
0: For Jalen Brunson, 30-plus point is plus 120, 35-plus, plus plus 270, 40-plus, plus plus 750.
1: I'll go baby dog here. I think I'll just take the points at 30-plus. I just think Milwaukee can't guard him. I think that the Knicks realize he's their best offensive player. Yes, Randall's going to take some really bad heat-check shots, we know. like It's going to come with the territory. But Brunson is so damn good against this team. Dropped 45 in the first meeting against them the season. I actually think I see a plus 150. Let me just quickly confirm that or not. But uh, the point is I'll go with Brunson 30 plus points. I'll say the line, the actual line once I find it, but give me Brunson 30 plus. All
0: right. Uh, all right. So for my lock, um, I'm going to go with the... I'm going to guess an um, under
1: in one of these games.
0: Yeah. I think they both go under, but I think I'm going to go with the Knicks Bucks under. Um, and simply put, because the Knicks are a half court team and they don't push the pace a lot like the I, I can see early on where for the Lakers and Suns that they want to get a little bit up and down the floor, kind of, I guess, quote unquote, get the jitters out and just get into the game flow of things. But for the Knicks and Bucks, um, I, I I think this yeah turns into a half court game. And like we talked about the rebounding aspect of this game for the Knicks, that. Josh Hart, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, that they're, if they're able to limit the three point shooting and also not give the Bucks second chance opportunities in this game, this could be a lower scoring game. So, right now, the best number I do see is 229.5 uh, for this game. Uh, I, again, disagree with the direction that it's going. So, I'm going to take the under as my lock here for tonight between the Knicks and the Bucks, under 229.5 for my dog. Um, this worked out well for me last week where I put together a rebound uh, parlay. Um, I'm going to go Mitchell Robinson over nine and a half rebounds. And let's go with Grayson Allen over three and a half rebounds. That'll get you plus around plus 225, plus 230. On that rebounding parlay as my dog, so Mitchell Robinson over nine and a half rebounds and Grayson Allen over three and a half rebounds, I get you to plus two twenty seven as my uh, as my dog for tonight here, Scott.
1: Did all right, I found a, the updated price. Yeah, on Bronson, I found plus one
0: thirty five. All right, there we go, perfect. Uh, all right, let's do our underdog fantasy entry here for tonight. Again, if you don't have an account yet on Underdog Fantasy, I don't know what you're waiting for. Um, Make sure you sign up for an account and use that promo code SGPN. You'll get uh, a $100 bonus uh, of up to $100, 100% bonus up to $100 when you use that promo code SGPN. Again, Underdog Fantasy, new account users, use that promo code SGPN, 100% bonus of up to $100 on your first deposit. All right, Scott, let's put together our entry here for tonight. Uh, where do you want to go first?
1: Do you want to start off with some type of rebound prop for the Knicks?
0: Yeah, so I see both. Or so Mitchell Robinson is up to 10 on Underdog Fantasy, and Julius Randle is at 9.5. I'm
1: guessing Hart's not listed because he's a bench player.
0: Uh, Actually, no, they have. I mean, Quentin Grimes is listed. They, yeah, Josh Hart's at six rebounds on.
1: Okay, I was, I was kind of going to take whichever one was not at a whole number between Robinson and Hart, but they're both at whole numbers, so that's not ideal. Yeah. Um, You want to start off with Brunson points? We'll go from there.
0: Yeah, so Jalen Brunson is at 27.5 points here tonight. Again, I I think that this is a 30-point game for him. It's going to uh, need we'll to be about. if they
1: want to be competitive.
0: Yeah, and again, like we mentioned, back-to-back 40-point games against the Bucks. Uh, I don't really think they have a guy on the defensive side that can slow him down. So we'll start there. Jalen Brunson higher, 27.5 points. Um... Do to see. do Grayson?
1: I'll let you do Grayson rebounds if you want it.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think that's a little sneaky look. Let's see if they have Grayson Allen listed, though. Um, they don't have his rebounds, unfortunately. They have rebounds and assists combined. It's at six and a half.
1: Do you like that or do you hate that? Uh, if you're not sure, see. we don't have to take it. But I'm just
0: yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure what his contribution is uh, as far as getting assists. I mean, he's consistently been getting three over the last five games. Let me see what he did against the Lakers in the two matchups. And, but that was probably without Devin Booker. So his numbers were a little inflated. Now let's skip that one. I don't feel confident on the assist part of it.
1: Do you want a LeBron or an AD prop or maybe a Durant or a Booker prop?
0: So let's go. What do you think about LeBron points are at uh, 26 or we go PRAs at 41 and a half. And then Anthony Davis, 25 and a half points. That seems a little low.
1: I think it's a little low too.
0: Okay. Let's do that one then. Anthony Davis will go higher on that. Um, That's for tomorrow. And we probably want to throw in either Mitchell Robinson or Julius Randall rebounding prob. What do you think?
1: Uh, I think I'll go with Robinson.
0: Okay. I mean, so his- He's
1: 15 in the first game. So yeah.
0: So we'll is that 10 right now for um his projection here tonight? Mitchell Robinson, 10. Let's go higher on that. All right, so we'll go Jalen Brunton higher, 27.5 points. Anthony Davis, 25.5 points higher. And Mitchell Robinson, 10 rebounds higher. That uh, $100 entry will get you a nice payout of a return of $600 here tonight for the two NBA in-season tournament games between the Bucks and the Knicks and the Suns and the Lakers. All right, Scott, that's going to do it for this edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. Anything else you want to mention, my man, before we get out of here?
1: Not really. I'll be back again tomorrow with Terrell for the uh, Wednesday show. A reminder, though, my plays, the lock's going to be the Lakers' money line at minus 115, and the dog will be Brunson 30-plus points at plus 135.
0: Yep, and I have the under in the Knicks and the Bucks game, 229.5. And then uh, Dog is going to be a two player parlay on rebounds. Mitchell Robinson over 9.5, and Grayson Allen over 3.5. Uh, like Scott mentioned, Terrell and Scott will be back tomorrow for the regular season games for the other losers that didn't make it to the uh, quarterfinals. So a big schedule tomorrow. So. Uh, check out Scott and Terrell at the usual time. Make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. More importantly, for the 76 of you watching right now, smash that like button for us before you get guys get out of here. It really does help us out. Um, and also make sure you subscribe to the NBA Gambling Podcast YouTube channel. If you haven't already, you'll get that notification when we do go live Monday through Friday for the NBA Gambling Podcast all right that's going to do it like i mentioned back tomorrow at the usual time till then enjoy the games here tonight good luck with your bets let's break these books off and let it ride
1: Basketball.